0: Hi, Fire fans. Welcome back to the I Came of Fire podcast. Uh, we are honored here to have uh, Troy Schoffer, uh here as our guest. Um, he is um, the co-founder uh, or founder, uh, he'll explain more about it, of an um, anti-human trafficking group called uh, Chain Unchanged. Um, so, Troy, for a lot of people who kind of don't know what that is, if you'd like, you can kind of just jump into that, explain uh, kind of what your drive was for starting that and uh, what kind of made you get passionate about uh, stopping human trafficking.
1: Yeah, sure. I'd love to. First off, thank you for having me on your podcast, allowing me to share our story um, in order for me to get this out, right? So this is a, it's it's a story I've told a million times over the years, but it's a lengthy one, but it's it's worth telling because you can't understand what my wife and I are doing without the full landscape of how we got where we're at. So I just retired after 20 years in the Navy. I was a Navy chief corpsman, retired on March 25th. Um, So if you're a military family, you already know we moved around a lot. I have two sons, but one's 24, the other one's 22. But back in the day, uh, early, so 2010 to 2016, we were stationed in Pensacola, Florida. And that is where uh, my sons grew up. That's where they finished elementary school, did all of their junior high. And then up until their last couple years of high school, when we had to PCS again, that's where they went to high school. So I'm telling you this, as we fast forward, we leave Pensacola in 2016. My wife and I's time in Pensacola was spent doing, uh, when you're in the military, you look for volunteer work. One, it's a good thing to do, but two, it helps with your evaluations, breaking out from your peers, what have you. And what my wife and I chose to do was learn about, it was back in the day before it became the buzzword it is now, which is human trafficking. It was called trafficking in persons, uh, youth exploitation, things of that manner. And we did that here in Pensacola, but it was very, it was very top level stuff. I learned about uh, signs for parents to look for when their children are on the internet, and I would go around and I do trainings and things of that nature. So it's very top level work in the world of human trafficking. But it, it's important that I mention this part because uh, we go to Colorado. I get stationed at Buckley Air Force Base, and uh, we we end up getting orders to go to Utah in uh, January of 2020. My kids are now graduated high school my wife and i became empty nesters and we moved to utah and we moved into a tiny house and not like our house is tiny like a tiny house like you see on tv the 200 square feet like we live we lived in that in utah right so i don't think i have to go over again mm-hmm. what early 2020 was like uh, you know everyone's world got turned upside down we get to march of 2020 and the lockdown starts And the first week of the lockdown, both of my sons, both of my sons had stayed back in Colorado and we get a call and also little asterisk, everything that I say on this podcast and any other podcast I'm ever on, I have full permission of the people that I talk about and they understand that I'm not speaking for them, but I'm speaking their part of the story with their full permission. So I want to make sure I say that because- down the road here, this is going to kind of get a little dark. Uh, just know that by the time this podcast ends, I'm going to put a nice pretty bow on the top of it and everything's going to be okay. Um, so awesome. We're, we're in March of 2020. The lockdown's about a weekend. And my youngest son uh, calls his mom and I. And he was calling us going 75 miles per hour into oncoming traffic in Denver. Uh, he was going to take his life. And we were completely and utterly caught off guard. We we had no idea what the hell was going on. Um, Luckily, uh, we talked him off the ledge, figuratively and literally, so to speak, Um, got him into a safe place. Mm -hmm. And when that happened, we started peppering questions like, what is going on? How did we get here? A very, very long story condensed for the sake of this podcast. We learned that mm-hmm. while we were stationed in Pensacola, while he was in junior high, he was being exploited by an, a male authority figure. So on top of the fact that oh, wow. the devastating news of hearing that, right? I mean, as a father, you that your number one job is to protect and I failed. And, yeah, but, for sure. But the worst part is that I'm the exploitation training guy. I'm the dude that's supposed to be able to see all the signs, recognize them, know what step by step. And it happened under my own roof. So my wife immediately feels so defeating. Oh, it it took. It, I mean, there's there's a lot of counseling that's gone into this. <laughs> there's a lot of therapy that's gone oh, into yeah. this. I bet, um, yeah. So my, I we had again. We had just gotten to Utah. I'm three months in to a set of four year orders. The country is locked down. The military's not moving. It's that first month. We're all watching Tiger King on Netflix. You remember, right? You remember that first month of the lockdown? Yep. So
0: goddamn Carol Baskin.
1: <laughs> it was her. She's crazy as shit. But anyway. <laughs> My wife gets in her car. (laughs) She is. (laughs) She goes to Denver. She picks up my son and they come to Pensacola, Florida. And the reason why is because this is where we have family, friends, a support system, and the means to get my son the help that he's going to need, which is a lot. Right. Mm -hmm. And my command is. Was I, I'm going to say a lot of shitty things about the military from time to time, but I'll never ever be, be more grateful for what they did for me because nobody was moving. No one was changing duty stations. And when my, when my, uh, leadership heard about our situation, they had me file for what's called hums orders, which is short for humanitarian orders. And essentially a 30,000 yeah, Air 000- force has the same thing. Oh, okay. Perfect. So if you have some egregious family matter that requires your attention, they'll cut your orders right there and send you to where you need to go. And your focus is to deal with that and then just kind of muster with whatever command they attach you to for that period. So they approved my HUMS orders in mm. the middle of lockdown. I mean, my when I drove from Utah to Pensacola, I think I saw five vehicles on the road. Like it was heavy, heavy lockdown time. <laughs> And they and they sent me back mm-hmm. and uh, I, I got to start doing uh, therapy with my son. Mind you, I told you everything. By the end, he, he's now engaged. He's got a job. He's doing well. Everything's doing well. He's gotten a lot of the help that he's needed and continues to get it. Um, but when I came back, that father figure in me was like, I have to do more. Almost like it started off as a type of atonement. If you will that's it's transformed since mm-hmm. then, but I needed to do something. I never wanted another mom or dad to ever ever feel like I felt um so what I did originally was I started it's so it's change unchained, and it's something that was birthed in the depths of my despair as a failing father. Uh while I was moving back to Pensacola in like a thirty nine dollar a night hotel in Texas, I drew the what ended up being our logo on a little post-it note. And what I did was when I was here in Pensacola before, I ran a very uh not that's not popular. I was gonna say famous. It wasn't famous, it was a popular <clears throat> outdoor fitness boot camp. And I had hundreds of clients. It was it was okay. really it was really successful. And so I was like, you know what I'm going to do when I get back to Pensacola. Number one, Florida's band dates and restrictions were much lower than the rest of the country. And so I decided I'm going to restart yes. this boot camp. I'm not going to charge a single cent. People are going to want to get out of their house, come to this outdoor boot camp. And how you would pay me for me being your personal trainer five days a week. Was I was get bringing in nonprofits on Friday at the end of class, and you had to sit there and listen to them give their spiel or their training, and learn how you can get involved, how you could volunteer, so on and so forth. So, from June 2020 to January 2021, I did this boot camp, and it went gangbusters. It was it went really really well. There's some news coverage on it if you just type that in in YouTube. But anyway, um. Mm. While we were doing this, one of the organizations that came and spoke was a group called Called to Rescue. And it's ran by a guy named Brad Dennis, who's a retired master chief. And, you know, there's a lot of people that are on TV, the talking heads that talk about human trafficking. I'm sure certain organizations pop in people's head or, or people that they'll see on TV and they think that's the dude that knows the most about human trafficking or lady. Brad Dennis, in my opinion, Mm -hmm. and I've worked with a lot of organizations, it's taken me all across the world. I've done stuff all over the globe in this world. He is the single most subject matter expert when it comes to this, and he just so happens to be in Pensacola. So while we were doing the boot camp, he came and spoke, and he offered a spot on his search and rescue team to me uh, as the medical guy. So again, I was a corpsman in the Navy, 20 years of field medicine. And uh, he brought me in as the medical guy to go do these search and rescues across the country. And what my wife and I learned those first few months of doing this is that we celebrate rescues. You're going to see, and I and I really try hard to n- not to use that word because the word rescue has like a sense of finality to it. When in fact, it is the very, very beginning of whatever yeah. kind of healing restoration is going to take place for these survivors, right? Uh, so what we learned Mm -hmm. was you have the search and rescue team, then you have what's called respite care, which is like this 48 to 72 hour hold where survivors are brought to a safe place. They get a medical evaluation, a mental health evaluation, and a game plan is formulated to find out where does this person go next? a state certified safe house, a drug rehabilitation, what have you. And then you go to these 12, 18 month safe houses. And then you're just released. And what we're finding is there's a lot of recidivism in victims who will go through this whole process and then end up getting trafficked or exploited again. And the reason why is because they have vulnerabilities in life. They haven't gone to school. They don't have a trade. Their root cause
0: wasn't wasn't found and fixed.
1: That's absolutely correct. So my wife and I being all in as we were, and I knew I was heading towards retirement, which was just this past March. Uh, my wife and I had a beautiful home in Pensacola. And the, I, I promise you, this is not me patting myself on the back, but it'll lead you to how we got to where we are today and be talking to you on this podcast. Um, we had a 3,500 square foot home near the beaches of Perdido Key. Beautiful. Our dream house. And we sold it just outright. Yeah. We just sold it at the peak of the housing market. And came and bought a 21 acre plot of land and clear, like this was raw land, bro. This isn't like an established land that had a house on it. It was just raw acreage in the panhandle. And we went and bought it. And we have since over the last two and a half years, we've constructed a tiny house village. We have multiple tiny homes. Um, And we house survivors of human trafficking out here on the ranch, anywhere from six to 12 months. Everything is paid for through our 501c3, whether it be food, transportation, getting their license or birth certificates reissued to them because their trafficker had taken them from them. There's a million different expenses. And uh, that way, the vulnerabilities that led to them being preyed upon can be mitigated before they relaunch out into society. So in a nutshell, Change Unchained is temporary housing for survivors of exploitation and trafficking. Um, and they come, we have memorandums of understanding with area safe houses. So they come from there. They'll go straight from a safe house and be transported out to us to this very secure, remote, you're surrounded by nature um, place. And we have been going now for two and a half years and we have been at capacity um, from the very jump. We have an 18-month waiting list now uh, for survivors to come out here. And it's just a matter of us raising funds to get another tiny house built so we can we can kind of lower that waiting list so that was a that was a long road to get there, but that's that's what change unchained is
0: awesome that's way more than i so I initially looked you up and I was uh on your website and stuff, and maybe I'm just blind, but your website doesn't really kind of talk about what you just told me there at the end. It talks about how you're like combating human trafficking and a whole bunch of other stuff but I don't think it really goes into much detail about you being like a, almost like a safety village for these people, which is really
1: awesome. Um, yes. So you, in the you were in talking the
0: so it, go.
1: yeah. So you're absolutely right. So the website the website itself was originally constructed when we started the boot camp. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought that up. Uh, so there is a whole brand new website that's still behind the curtain that in the next month will come out and have those different things that you're talking about. Because yeah, it, that that part is important. We have it, we do have it in, there's like a, when you go to the homepage of Change Unchained, there's a video. Um, and that mm-hmm. kind of explains what we're doing. But that was the very beginning of the journey. And we're much further along now than when we opened that website. So that's a very good point.
0: Yeah, for sure. Especially like you look way different too cuz you're you're probably still in you're still in the navy when you started this, right? So yeah. like you're clean cut, you have a short haircut and you come on here today with the looking like Kratos from God of War. So <laughs> it's a great look. Yeah. It's a great look, but thanks, it's definitely thanks. the retired look. <laughs> definitely. But yeah, um so you you had a personal experience that kind of vaulted you into this movement into um wanting to combat human trafficking and stuff, right? And yeah. you, you kind of alluded to it to where uh before then like you knew of it, but you probably weren't super enveloped in the details. And I think that's what most Americans are like is they don't understand that, you know, hundreds of thousands of people are being human trafficked, probably even more, um, all the time. And now that you're fully developed it, what is like some of the statistics or information that you could probably provide to listeners um like how big of a deal it actually is.
1: Yeah. So so right now it, it's it leapt drug trafficking. It's the number one most lucrative criminal activity in the United States. Number one. So let's just, let's just start there. But I, I want to ask. So anytime I go and do trainings, right? So are you are you active duty Air Force?
0: Yes. So I'm active duty Air Force. I've been in uh, twelve years. I'm E six. Okay. Um, And I currently work as the, the interim first sergeant for my unit.
1: Okay. So in the, in the Navy, at least, I don't know if it's this way for the air force, we have things called GMTs, general military trainings, where there's these annual trainings you have to do typically online, sign a 3,500 and call it a day, right? Well, one of those trainings that we had start going back to when I joined in 2003 was tip training, TIP, trafficking in persons. Is that something y'all do in the air force?
0: Yeah. So we have annual training. They're called CBT is computer-based training, same concepts. And we do have a human trafficking CBT that we have to take. But I would argue that most airmen today, they just click through and they're at the end, they print a certificate and they move on. It's That's not right. a, like a cautious thought, I guess, today. They're just clicking through and moving on.
1: So when I came back to Pensacola, uh, the commanding officer of Naval Air Station Pensacola, NAS Pensacola, caught wind of what happened with me, what our organization was doing. And instead of having the GMT for trafficking in persons, be a click-based uh, certificate click-through BS training, like what you just said, because that's exactly what it was. People just click through yeah. in order to check the box. Um, they made it an in-person thing. And and I would come and I would do, uh, there'd be hundreds of sailors, airmen, Marines in these auditoriums. And I would do several of these trainings. But I want to ask you a question before I answer your question. When I say human trafficking, right? When I say, b- better yet, when I say child sex trafficking, what is it that you picture in your mind?
2: I picture, obviously, a
0: young, young human being. They're probably like... I would assume they're probably like five to like maybe like 14 years old. I'm just assuming here. And they're being taken and then transferred a whole bunch of times over state or over state borders, over national borders, and just used for profit for some higher up thing. Like I'm assuming they're just being sold over and over and over again. And whoever has them at that time can do whatever they wish, almost pretty much slavery
1: okay and 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 honestly bro that that is that is typically like the answer I'll get sometimes people will add in dirty basements or cages or what have you essentially typically every time i I'll pick somebody in the audience of my trainings and I'll ask that question and it's it typically will sound like a scene from the movie taken with Liam Neeson that's typically what yeah what is described, and I'm not saying those things don't happen they absolutely do. I've witnessed it a million times. However, 90% of child sex trafficking is typically happening down the block from you with little Susie whose uncle has to pay off a drug debt. This is obviously just one example. But the the notion that um everything comes from Hollywood and all these kids are being transported in tunnels to other countries Those egregious type things happen. I mean, Jeffrey Epstein was an obvious that it, there you go. There's the example of those horrible egregious things happening. But due to the volume, it couldn't be just that, right? It can't be those type of fantastical stories, which again are real, but -hmm. the majority is in poverty stricken areas of the city you're currently living in with family members again familial trafficking is the most common type of child trafficking someone in their family is doing it to them and it's a horrible thing to say it's horrible to think of but it's just the facts and the example i gave you is an example like we have dealt with multiple times where let, i'm going to share a story of i'm i am sitting in one of the tiny houses in our tiny house village filming this with you or recording this with you right now. Um, this is where we have okay. the best Wi. This is where we have the best wifi on the ranch. So Tiffany, my <laughs> wife who works with these ladies all the time, they're out doing a, a yoga class on the other side of the ranch. And the young lady who stays in this house, um, I'm going to share a little bit of her story again, full permission. Um, this young lady, when we first came across her, she was 14 out of Las Vegas. And her bio, so she was, let me back up. We travel across the country doing a thing called the Big Search. And if you type that in, if people want to search that, uh, Free International is the umbrella organization that's over Change Unchained. It's over Called to Rescue and another number of other organizations that we all come together about once every three months. And we go to a huge city where law enforcement will ask us to help them. We are not some vigilante group. We don't repel out of helicopters and kick in doors. Anyone who says they do that in the United States and is not law enforcement is 100% full of shit. It does not happen. That does not happen. Yeah. If you hear of organizations who's always talking about how high speed, low drag they are. And they're kicking down doors and pulling kids out. They're full of shit. That does not happen here. They would go to jail. All right, I digress. I have a, because my son is a survivor, I get really, I get, I get toned up a bit when people grift on this topic and say that there's something that they're not. I've been in this world long enough now, especially domestically when it comes to the United States. Now, internationally, that's a different thing different laws. But here in the United States, NGOs and nonprofits are doing zero things kinetic. So I just want to get that, make sure I say that 100%. But anyway, law enforcement agencies from these big cities bring us in Las Vegas, Orlando, Newark, New Jersey, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Detroit, Michigan, Pensacola, Florida, um, and uh, Yuma, Arizona. That's just a, a handful of places we've been in the last 12 months. And during Super Bowl week, which everybody's always heard the, the the little quip that the Super Bowl is the biggest trafficking event in the United States. And it's true. But typically, any large <laughs> gathering event, especially sporting events, something drawn for the male audience where males are traveling, that's, those are going to be the ones that garner the most attention for exploitation. So the Super Bowl is the biggest. And even though the Super Bowl is not in Las Vegas every year, uh, Las Vegas gets packed during the Super Bowl. And we have an amazing rapport with their Human Trafficking Task Force and LVPD. And so what will happen is, is they'll hand us X amount of cases of missing children, some that are some that are just runaways some that are confirmed to be csec which is csec commercial sexual exploitation of a child which that means they've already confirmed that someone out there is is pimping this child selling this child and they'll hand us these cases a month or two before we get there so if super bowl week is the last week in february early to mid january we get these cases and Some of us will take these on as the case manager. And I had one three years ago of this 14-year-old girl who I was talking to her adopted parents. So the adopted parents are the ones that reported her missing. And then Las Vegas got the case and then they passed it on to us. And I didn't know there was a thing called, I learned about a thing called open adoption. I didn't know that existed. I wasn't sure what that was, but essentially what that is, is someone can give up their child for adoption, but have an agreement with the adopted parents that they have visitation rights, that they're going to be in that child's life. Interesting. Yes. I op- open adoption. I didn't know it existed either. But this is what this young girl had. She lived with her adopted okay. parents, but her biological mother was in her life. And her biological mother is a horrible human being. And what happened was She's a trafficker uh, she she was trafficking uh her biological daughter it started off to pay off her drug debt that she had she had a really bad addiction um but then it turned into a money making scheme, and this young lady uh we pulled her out of the situation, got her to a safe house that year that was that was in uh twenty twenty one And then 2022 came around, and lo and behold, she was a case again. We got her again for the Super Bowl trip in Vegas and found her again, pulled her again, got her to a safe house again. She completed the program and returned to her home in Vegas where her biological mother got involved again and this we're now up to february of 2023 go ahead
0: so okay so if if we know that the biological mother is doing this Mm -hmm. right and as she's doing it several times where's the like go after the biological mom where does that come into
1: play yep so that's that's a great question so uh essentially the evidence was not strong enough for the DA to prosecute um and the young girl at least at the time uh was not willing to i'm going to say something that's super it's hard to hear um but there are some kids out there who get treated this way by their parents and they don't know any other love love okay um they they don't know yeah. that they think that their mom loves them or their dad loves them or their family member loves them. And they're doing this to show love back. It's, it's really twisted. And if you're not in this world, it's really hard to wrap your head around that, but it's absolutely true. And so those two times come and go. And then 2023 happens. And that by this time she is, so I said 14, I misspoke. She was 16 the first time that we got her case because this past February this young lady was 18 and that plays a role in where this story ends, uh, because she wasn't a missing person. Um, however, she knew that I was going to be in Vegas during that week. Like it's become an annual thing now, you know, it's an ongoing joke as dark as the joke may be. Like it's February must be time for Troy to come find me. Um, so I got a text message the first night we were in Vegas from a number I didn't recognize. And all it said was, Troy It's and it says her name. We'll just call her Cassie. It says, Troy, this is Cassie. And I knew, I knew it was her right away, even though I didn't recognize the number. And all I replied with was verbatim. I said, is this the Cassie that I play the world's worst game of hide and go seek with every year? And she re- And she ended up replying, yes. And so all I texted back to her was, are you safe? And she said, no. And I said, okay, Uh, do you need me to come pick you up? And she ghosted me after that. And when I asked her if she needed me to come get her, she did not reply. She wouldn't drop a pen. She wouldn't reveal her location. She didn't even just reply at all. So fast forward to the next day. So this is the Tuesday, but we landed the Monday before Super Bowl Sunday We're there all week. I get a call Tuesday afternoon from that number, not a text, but called, and all I heard was "help." That was it. That was the only word, and the phone hung up. And so I got on there and I texted, and and I said, "Are you?" Or I said, "Are you somewhere where I can come get you?" And she said, "No." And knowing how things went in previous years uh, about her situation and what she was enduring during those um i asked her i said if i call your phone from a burner phone so we have a, we have a bunch of spare phones that we use that way we can't be tracked and our phone numbers aren't traced and things of that nature um if i call and i ask to set up a date with you would your person you're with drop you off and would that be something that would seem like normal behavior and she said yes and so what i did is i went we went to best okay. buy Got a different burner phone and arranged a date, a date. Please know that when I say these things, I don't mean it in a loving Mm -hmm. way. Uh, So there was a gentleman that was uh, selling Cassie out of his car in an Albertson's parking lot. And I arranged an Uber to pick her up at the gas station on the corner. And he was none the wiser that way it didn't put her in danger. And the Uber was driven Mm -hmm. by an undercover LVPD officer and brought her to me. And, uh, over the next few days, we had to figure out what were we going to do? Like we've put, we've found you safe houses in different parts of the country. And, uh, I called my wife who was already familiar with Cassie. She's been a part of our lives for three years. She's, Her case is one of the worst that we've ever had to deal with. And uh, it just so happened that one of the tiny homes, number one, we don't house children. So let me get that out of the way. That's why I wanted to bring up that she had turned 18, right? Um, We only house adult survivors. And one of the ladies that was living on the ranch was leaving that week. She was going to relaunch out and go do her thing. And she's doing well and all that. And I asked Cassie, I was like, would you like to fly home? to the Gulf coast and let's go get your GED and figure out what you want to do with your life and what have you and feel safe and be away from all this situation. And she said, yes. And so the house I'm sitting in is where Cassie lives right now.
0: Wow. That's poetic. almost in its own way. Like it's, it's like it's come full circle and you're here now talking to us about it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it's, she, this, they all, all cases mean something to me. Like all survivors that we deal with hold a special place in my heart, but Cassie, like she calls me dad and that like, it's yeah. a, it's a, it's you can, if you're not careful, <laughs> if you're not careful, as you can tell you get incredibly emotionally <laughs> attached uh to these people that you, that you're dealing with. But on the flip side of that coin, bro, Like I had told you, there are there are individuals out there that are being exploited right now that don't see it as that they don't see it as they're being exploited. They're just this is how I show love. And there are many times where we show up in order to, quote, unquote, again, hate the word to rescue someone. And they're like, get the hell out of here. I'm not going with you. I want nothing to do with you. I'm not in trouble. I'm not in danger. Meanwhile, they're 110 pounds, addicted to fentanyl, and being exploited on a daily basis by this person that's lording over them. So it's a very tricky landscape to navigate.
0: Do you think it's like a, it's like Stockholm syndrome in a way, where like when you that, get people who are captive for a long time, they start to like love their captors, and
2: they're that, just that's
0: like, exactly that's, it. that's my person now. Because again.
1: Yeah, yeah that that's exactly what it is. Um, that's cr- just for example. So mind you, I just gave you three years of one young lady's story. And I'd be lying if I yeah. said like everything's been rainbows and butterflies since she's been out here. She's contacted her trafficker since she's been here. There is there's been people that have shown up to the ranch. Like it's. It's not always going to be this clean state slate to redemption. It's a lot of hard work. It's women and men that have been exploited in the past realizing their worth and that, no, this isn't okay that somebody is doing this to me.
0: Yeah. You just said you had people who would show up to the ranch. Mm -hmm. Are you at all concerned that like, so you said it usually happens locally, right? But there is still going to be like large organizations that do this. Are you ever at all concerned that maybe a large criminal organization might get tired of what you're doing or do they, do they have enough influx where it doesn't matter that the ones got away, they can just continue what they're doing. Cause Oh, they got away, whatever They'll either rebound, they'll come back or we'll just get a new, new person.
1: It doesn't matter. Do you think retaliation is possible? Yeah. I mean, that's always, that's always a thing. Um, that mm-hmm. we, we are about as secure as you can, without like giving away the ghost here. Like you could not get within a quarter. Like we are super remote, like really remote. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can't get within a quarter mile of our property on. So we have 21 acres. Uh, no one is within a quarter mile without us already being notified, um, just through different security measures that we've implemented. Um. But those security measures are implemented in order to stave off those worries. So the answer the answer is yes. We've had people show up because of my TikTok account, which is super wild. Hey. So, so for whatever reason, uh, my social media blew up or whatever. And and the thing is, is that we don't advertise. You will never see our address anywhere. Our address is not public. It's, we have a PO box for all of our mailings, all those things. However, as a nonprofit, you have to file your yearly taxes with the IRS on a form called a 990. And if you're a nonprofit, your tax information is public domain. People can see whichever, whatever you're spending your money on. And on that tax form, like people have to dig to find it though. Like you're going to have to really want to know where this long-haired hippie dude with a tiny house village lives. And it just so happens that like there was a crazy TikTok follower that did all of that and pulled up to the ranch because he was like, I love what you guys are doing. I just wanted to see the tiny house village. And I'm like, this isn't Disneyland, bro. This isn't. This isn't a tourist spot. Um, I highly doubt he's probably still a fan of mine after that interaction. But yeah, those things happen.
0: (laughs) So with people volunteering, right, they're obviously going to come to your little tiny ranch and all that type of stuff. Uh, How do you vet them to make sure that they're not one of the bad guys just trying to get get in on
1: it? So so we've had two volunteer opportunities actually out here at the ranch. Most of our volunteer opportunities, um, I'll use an example. So the Pensacola Ice Flyers, which is like a minor league hockey team, they bring us in uh, mm-hmm. multiple times a year to run their merchandise booths during games, and we get like a 20% cut of what is taken in. Those are typically the type of volunteer things we allow. However... There have been two times where we've had ranch work days. um Two things have to happen: one, we can't survivors will not be on the ranch at the time, so we'll get we'll have these little reprieve of times where our guests will exit and then a couple of weeks before the new guests arrive, then and only then would we allow a ranch work day and then for the ranch work day. These are people specifically that my wife and I know and they sign an NDA and we run a TLO and a background check on anyone who steps foot on this property because you're right. You you never know these Perfect. days. Like anytime you ever hear on the news of mm-hmm. some child being sexually abused, it's things like, I, I don't want to, I, I don't mean all of them, but it's like teachers or Pastors or people that typically in your mind you just default to think you can trust, and so we don't,
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 um you in the beginning, you kind of talked about how it's like right down the street from you, and you just don't notice it because it's it, it's not i guess obscure or it is obscure, yeah. so you don't notice it um what are kind of like some of the signs that maybe listeners can see or identify for potential cases of human trafficking? Um, you're saying it's kind of mostly more of a personal thing, but like, what are some stuff that like if I'm shopping and I see kind of a weird interaction between two people, like what are those things I should be looking out for?
1: Yeah. So the, I'll, I'll give, I'll give a couple of things. And these, this is like real high watermark stuff that people can easily remember. Um, one, one is, uh, Let's say let's say you ran into a man and a woman in aisle 7 of Walmart and you just start casually engaging them in a conversation. You're going to see some, now I'm not saying that all instances of this is a case of human trafficking. However, this is a a symptom of it. Yeah, you need that, multiple factors to add up. It's not right. one and all be all. Yeah. That's that is correct, but one is not allowing them to speak. So that is a real big thing. Pimps, traffickers, things of that nature are very controlling, very controlling. I had mentioned that we use the funding we get to to get things like birth certificates replaced. Traffickers will take an individual, all of their driver's license, passports, all of their IDs and keep them away from them. That way. It's just another control mechanism so they don't run because where are you going to go and what can you do without identification these days? And so one of one of those things you're asking about, things to look for, you're going to see the obvious signs. It'll be obvious if there's physical abuse, whatever. But when it comes to children, one of the big things, I and this is so horrible, right? But you asked the question, if typically when they're around adults, and they'll kind of have their hands guarded over their private areas, even in situations that really wouldn't warrant it or it looks strange when they sitting in the position they're sitting in, their hands shouldn't naturally be over that area. It, it it's, a, it's a kid's safety measure they put in place that like it's one more boundary between whoever wants to hurt me and what they want to hurt, if that makes sense.
0: It does, and that's a uh, pretty sad. I I can't think of a time where I've seen that, but I feel like that'll stand out now if I ever do see it. So thank you. For right, the and, you,
1: and if is you're there, not looking, any other look, things too. If you're not looking for it, it's not going to be something that you're typically going to even notice. But if you're listening to this podcast and this is something mm-hmm. that's on your heart, um, that that's a big one. Eye contact. So on top of On top of uh, them not being allowed to speak, they're also not going to be able to make eye contact with you. And if they do make eye contact with you and the person they're with sees it, you're going to notice right away that they're in trouble. Like there there are specific rules in place before they leave the safety of their home when they go out in public that a trafficker, a pimp, whatever you want to call them, he will lay ground rules, and they're very specific, and there is no bend in them. There isn't, oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. They already know there are deep, horrible repercussions if you break these rules. And so if you see someone, if you see a little girl uh, with a man, and she just refuses to make any kind of eye contact with you, she's not talking, you actually, and you actually engage her and be like, how are you today, little miss? And the person with them answers for them. Those are significant, significant red flags. And I I know you asked for signs and stuff. I also want to I want to jump off that for just a second because I told you. So my wife and I have been in this world since 2011. Um, when we started, like nobody was talking about human trafficking. Like it was nobody even knew what the hell it was, and now it's this. It's this thing. I mean, it's everywhere you look, people are talking about it. There's a hundred different podcasts and twice as many organizations now. Um, But the biggest thing is misinformation that comes out about human trafficking. And holy shit, is there a lot? Mm -hmm. And so I don't know if you've ever been on like Facebook. If you're on Facebook and you'll see someone come on there and say, I found a zip tie on my rear view mirror as, as someone was about to traffic me. Have you seen things like that?
0: Yeah. Or it's like if a cop's pulling you over uh, and you feel unsafe, like call the call the department, don't stop in like a dark area. Like, all, like similar stories where they're like, don't fall for this thing. Or I see this weird thing. But yeah, I, I've seen yeah. this before.
1: Now, I never want to say never because – anything, anything is possible. However, there is, I've, I've been involved in hundreds of cases. I've been in the world for a dozen years now. I've never seen zip ties as something that is included in the world of trafficking, um, or other just, there's really fantastical stories on the internet when it comes to human trafficking. And when people come to me with that, um, I'm just gonna use an example, right? So there's a lot of conspiracy theories when it comes to human trafficking. A lot. And so I'm going to just mention one that happened a couple years ago. And there's an online furniture store. I think they sell more than furniture called Wayfair. And did did you ever yeah, hear of that's about- the
0: one I was just about to bring
1: up. Okay. So yeah. the gist of this We're is talk- people- it was the one
0: about where you could buy you could buy like a cabinet and the cabinet's name would be like like Jonathan and it'd be like 20k and so their whole premise was that you were buying a kid or a person named Jonathan for 20k and Wayfair yeah. was the immediate yeah. shipping company of this person.
1: Yeah, right. Number number 1, they're not going to put it on an open website of a of a corporate conglomerate to begin with. That's not how this works. But I got I I would get asked mm-hmm. this so much because Wayfair is one of millions of just super crazy conspiracies about human trafficking. And my answer to that is this. And if anybody ever asks you or any of your listeners, like, what about this? Let's say it's all true. Let's say every bit of it's true. Tom Hanks, Hillary Clinton, Wayfair, the whole nine. Let's just say it's all true. I have no idea. What I do know is true is that even if all that's true, there's still, there's still these low name little people that you're not thinking of, that's not on the news, that are having these things done to them as well. And they require our attention and deserve it just as much as anybody else involved in these super fantastical global conspiracies. So when people ask me what. Are you going to help, you know, if Epstein was still around, are you going to take, I'm not going to take down Epstein. That That's not what I do. What our organization does is we work in communities and in cities in tandem with law enforcement to make sure that survivors get the aftercare services they need. And more importantly, we do it in a way to where justice can be done. That's what, when I talk about these vigilante groups that go around, no DA is going to prosecute anyone based upon some vigilante blowing a house up. And the thing is, is that people hear me say that like, yeah, but it's the right thing to do and they deserve it. Nobody understands righteous anger about this topic more than me. Do you not think those, those thoughts went through my head? I wanted to just. I wanted to end everything, right? But if I went and handled that on my own, my son would have never gotten true justice, one. And I would be in trouble and he wouldn't see his dad either. It's not that I don't understand yeah. the anger. There is just, there is a way, What right, wrong, or indifferent, whether we agree with our judicial system or not, There is a way we have to go about it to maximize justice for the survivor and healing for the survivor. And that's the focus. It ain't about me. It's not about how cool I look on search and rescue missions. It's none of that shit. It's not about me. Period.
0: I think what kind of goes into like the, the conspiracy building and the craziness of it is I think to a, the average American or just average person, they can't comprehend this level of evil happening at such a low level of like organization. They don't understand that um it can, like, like you were saying at the beginning, it's right down the street from you. They're not understanding that they, they think it has to be way more organized. And to combat that, I would, I would say to that when you have like people who say that, Oh, there's gotta be like the governments involved, all this type of stuff. If that, if all of that is true, kind of like what you were saying, then those entities have way more power than you even can think of. And if that is happening, there's no way you can stop it now. So, like, those can't be true. Uh, the evil uh is gotta be at the lowest level. It's just smaller yes. things happening right in front of your eyes, and you're just oblivious to it because you're just pressing forward and you're not you're not seeing it.
1: Yeah, that that's exactly right. I mean, people have not so much, I mean, eyes have been opened over the last few years, and as as much nonsense has yeah. come with with a quote-unquote awakening to these horrors uh, for the general public. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm glad that more eyeballs are on it. I'm glad that there was a movie that was put out. I, I, I'm glad. I'm glad people are, are aware of it. Um, they're still focused on like these high end things. Um, If I ever have to hear the name Jeffrey Epstein again while working, I'm just, I'm what he did was egregious. It was vile and evil. He's one guy. Mm -hmm. And this, this doesn't become the number one crime funding thing through one guy. It's happening all over the place and the what we've noticed and why maybe they slip under the radar for a while is typically in my son's case as well it is an authority figure it's somebody in a place of um not just authority but of respect and i and i know this upsets some people when i bring it up but i mean facts are facts right the catholic church is like you t- People that are Catholic trust the Catholic church and that's fine. You can do that, but you have Mm -hmm. to admit there is, there is a systemic thing that has happened over centuries that if you're at least not watching out, if you take your child or your family into that atmosphere and you're at least not cognizant of the fact that this thing has been around, maybe not in your archdiocese or in your chapel or in your church but within the system that it's built in these things have existed and you at least need to watch for it be mindful of it stop trusting strangers <laughs> stop trusting strangers not all of them have you yeah. or your child's best interest at hand whether they are a teacher or they're teaching Sunday school like not every trafficker is some guy in a leather jacket with greased backed hair hiding in the shadows of an alley? It's not how it works. That's not how any of this works whatsoever. So my biggest hope is that while we have now kind of peeled the curtain back to the general public, that they'll start diving a little deeper of what this truly looks like. And chances are you're going to know uh, someone who. Maybe it won't fit the classification of human trafficking, but the exploitation part, chances are you are aware of someone right now that this is happening to. And if you don't know the signs, they're just going to march through your life like my son did. He was just able to walk in and out of our house every day, go to school, play football, all that good stuff. And it happened. So you got to, you got to be very, very vigilant.
2: Yeah, for sure.
0: With the, um, so with the coming of like the light, like people are now looking more into it, all that type of stuff. Is there anything that you're kind of looking for, like maybe policy wise where maybe States, local governments, federal government, is there any ideas you have or maybe stuff that maybe your organization is pushing for to kind of like combat this, um, maybe nip it in the butt at the beginning?
1: Yeah. So I'll give a great example of that. Um, so we work with uh along with going around and doing search and rescues, there's other law enforcement agencies that bring us in to do predator stings. And what'll happen is is that mm-hmm. we will we will create accounts online. Like so, dateline with David Hansen or something like that. Very, very, very similar, right? So we'll have we'll have a team of eight or ten individuals who have accounts online, whether it be like let's just use plenty of fish. Which is a like a hookup website, and we will be we will be for, I'll be fourteen year old Tanya, right? And peop and grown men will hit up fourteen year old Tanya, and we'll talk for weeks, and them the whole time thinking I'm fourteen year old Tanya, and me knowing exactly who they are, and when when uh, mm-hmm. when we all have someone on the hook, Columbia PD. Will give us what's called a takedown house, and we'll arrange meetups, and they'll show up. And instead of fourteen-year-old Tanya being at the house, it's Sheriff Kelly of the Columbia, Mississippi PD, arresting them uh, for traveling to have sex with a minor. And my favorite part of all that, before I get into your question, is I we're always there for the takedown, and my favorite thing is going to them while they're in cuffs and doing the reveal that hey dan you know i'm i'm tanya i'm the dude that you were sending dick pics to <laughs> thinking it was all the time happens all the time dude um so i Their tell you is
0: probably like
1: just like what the heck like- <laughs> oh bro it's the best it's the best um but the thing <laughs> is is that we have found States laws for DA, for the DA to prosecute many of those cases. So that, that's where I'm going to get into Mm -hmm. legislation. There are so many wickets that so many of these guys get off the hook, like for the state of Mississippi, for example, I have to announce my age three. So we keep the entire chat log. That's state's evidence is our chat log throughout the weeks, right? And mm. I have to announce my age more than once. Um. What, what was some other things in Mississippi? Give me just one second. I have to ghost him a couple of times. Yeah, no worries. And him, and him continue to pursue me. Um, there was a couple other things. Forgive me for not remembering them all. The point is, is that we are trying to make the prosecutorial laws for for online predators a lot more laxed because right now a lot of men and women can prey on on little kids and do a bevy of shit. And I'm talking super egregious things, but if they don't hit the specific wickets per the state's DA, it's completely just washed away. So that is something we are currently working on now. Yes. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I was going to say because like if I'm – if we now know the signs and I'm just an innocent bystander who kind of sees it, right, like even yeah. you know, if I try to alert authorities, it's probably not going to go anywhere, right? By the time the authorities get involved, they, they've they've left, they moved on, or the person who is potentially hurt is gonna be like, no, nothing's happening, or there's not enough to go on. So it's kind of like you can witness it you can see it, And I bet you get real frustrated with this because you probably witness it, you see it. You probably have a bunch of uh, uh, traffickers who you know who they are. You know their name. You probably know their face, and they're still out and about a lot, doing it, and just living their lives like like nothing's happening. It's gonna be so frustrating.
1: And the thing thing is, is like these criminals, like some are, but most of them are not dumb. These are not stupid people. They realize Mm -hmm. that they realize that exploitation and human trafficking is a hot button issue. They know that uh, law enforcement is biting at the teeth to get a human trafficking arrest, but they but they know the law better mo- than most law enforcement. They know what it takes for charges to stick. And the thing is, is that it takes a lot more than it should. And a lot of people think that certain presidents have, have been tougher on human trafficking or have been more. La- that it has not. Ch- I've I've been doing this work since W was in office, and no one, nothing has changed in regards to at least what we're seeing down here in the lowlands with the little Susie's down the road in the trailer park.
3: Mm-hmm. We're not
1: seeing big sweeping legislative changes, regardless of what news stations talking heads are telling you they're doing it's it's it is an absolute virtue signal from from our politicians and our leaders because they know that it's a soft spot in people's heart as it should be who doesn't want to protect mm-hmm. kids right but it's not yeah, happening it's for sure. it, it's definitely not happening at the level that they say it is they're not protecting them as the best they could
0: Yeah, that's unfortunate. Um, with the – so you, you touched on how like people – usually it's like drug-related. Like they owe a debt or they're into drugs for human trafficking. What are some other reasons uh, – obviously monetary value is going to be a thing. But what are some like different reasons that people usually wouldn't think of
1: that cause
0: them to get involved in human trafficking?
1: I mean th- – so those two or is things that – that it's not it but those two things are eating up a significant portion of that pie um i another thing would it would just be habitual familial things this is just like a you're going to see you'll see people in a you'll see generations of family that are alcoholics that grandpa was an alcoholic mm-hmm. And then dad grew up and he was, not, and it just gets passed on from generation to generation. There are a lot of families that abuse one another in that manner, simply because that's what they grew up with. That's what they know it to be. There's no monetary gain. There's no drug abuse involved. It is simply habitual family actions. Um, but, If I were to mention anything else, it would be super uh, insignificant in comparison to the drug and money aspect. And I would split those two things 50-50. So I don't think – I'd have to think hard, but off the top of my head, out of the hundreds of cases we've had, I mean maybe a couple – we're not in the midst of just horrific drug addiction. I'm talking about the survivors. Typically, traffickers and pimps get you fully, fully hooked. It puts them in complete compliance in order to make sure they get their next high. Okay.
0: So if it's it's mostly through drugs, do you think hard – like actual like push towards stopping illegal drugs and um, going towards those would in a way domino
1: chain assist with human trafficking being prevented? I mean, as as simple as a question as that may sound in a perfect world, brother. Yeah. Can we really stop drug trafficking? Absolutely not. I no. mean, Ronald Reagan showed us You've that. We has been worn on for a long time. Oh, I, there, where yeah. there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> Period. You know, mm-hmm. we are taking steps in the right direction as far as combating human trafficking. We, there are some really good steps that we've taken. Um, as far as, uh, ending it, like everybody that everybody wants to use the hashtag in human trafficking. I want to end it. Do I have an answer for you on how it can, that it never happens again? Uh, I do not have that answer. I don't know how it's a human condition, bro. We are, we are, we are broken, broken people on this planet that Mm -hmm. people do some really crazy shit for a dollar or a drug or to feel like they're in control. Um I wish I had a, a flowery response to your question, but I don't. All we can do is instead No, we try not to we try not to look at numbers and we just know that every case that mm-hmm. we get is a name. So Cassie, I can I can't change the world of human trafficking in totality, but I can help Cassie I can, I can help her. She's going to, she lives here and she's safe here and she doesn't have to worry about some guy coming in and beating her ass because she didn't make enough money that night. Uh, what, what have you? So that's kind of where my focus has to be is on a micro level, because when we start expanding out to macro, it gets a little demoralizing.
0: Yeah. But you're true you do need to focus on like what you can actually change and even even saving one person in my eyes and I bet in yours and to others in the organization was worth it in the end anyways and you've talked about it, it's already been hundreds so um, it's a it's a great noble effort and it's definitely worth worth pursuing. Um, you're talking about how like bad people will do things for like a dollar uh, I had a uh, used to have an old Subaru. And someone took like shotgun shells and like heated them up to go around my locking lugs to then take them off, like, but with like a wrench to take off my lugs to steal my wheels. And I remember my old supervisor was telling me that criminals will put in way more effort and time to break the law than to just do normal law abiding things to earn the same thing they'll just That's go right. out of their way to do the most ridiculous things when all they had to do was just get a normal job and then just buy those wheels. And it would have been way easier and more convenient. You're, you're definitely <laughs> That's right
1: on that. It, you hit the nail on the head with that. That's exactly right. Because the, the measures with which a lot of these uh, criminals and traffickers and vile human beings will go to commit these acts are like, it'll blow your mind. It'll absolutely blow your mind. I mean, there's it, it, there's mm-hmm. a lot of crazy shit people do rather than just make a standard living. Treat people with respect. I mean, these are other human beings and I never want that to get lost. Like these people yeah, are abusing people just like you and I, people like your mom, people like your kids if you have kids and your spouse. At one point, these survivors mm-hmm. were on podcasts And playing video games, and then all of a sudden, their life just got completely turned upside down. And the means with which these people will go to keep them under control are so over the top. It's the equivalent of shotgun shells around lug nuts.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, So a lot of listeners probably now are feeling like they want to get involved. They want to assist in some way. How can our listeners uh, and individuals and communities, how can they get involved in supporting your organization? Or even if they're not close to Florida or whatever, what can they do maybe nationwide to kind of help this movement and stop human trafficking and that, or assist start, with yeah. uh, helping the survivors?
1: That's, that's a great question. That'll kind of put a bow on everything we talked about, right? Because one thing I didn't talk about um, is So all the organizations that come together and go and do these search and rescues, do intel gathering, do OSINT training, which is open source intelligence, when you're searching for people that Mm -hmm. are missing, Um, these trainings are available to you because we all come together and we're, it's a, all of our groups come together and we're known as the shepherds and the shepherds is in the midst of putting together online trainings yeah, we put all, we're put we putting together online trainings and we travel around the country where you can have your own team for your community to learn how to do this type of work, how to assist law enforcement in finding missing kids and all of those things. So here's what you got to do for right now, right? So as of this moment, what you can do is go to our website, Change Unchained. C-H-A-N-G-E-U-N-C-H-A-I-N-E-D. I I know it's a tongue twister. Changeunchained.com. There's a little (laughs) contact us tab. And if you send your information, we will push you to the right people based upon what it is you're trying to do, what what it is you're wanting to learn. Now, if you're wanting to volunteer and help fundraise for Change Unchained, we'll keep your information in house and we'll contact you how you can help us. If you're wanting to get trained up to do this type of work, then we're going to send you over to that gentleman that I mentioned before, Brad Dennis with Call to Rescue, and he'll get in touch with you about when's the next online training, uh, what city are we coming to next, and things of that nature. And then lastly, if you just want to support us, I mean, at the end of the day, we are a nonprofit. Uh, so if this, you ever want to make a tax-deductible donation or what have you, again, that's on our website as well. And we're on every social media platform available from TikTok to Facebook. And we are constantly, uh, because we can't, we like people's privacy is paramount that stay out here. So we are very limited on what we can put out on social media, but we really find it's important that people see where their money's going. You need to see the tiny houses being built or you need to see the groceries that are being bought for these ladies or boys or men or what have you. Um, So we are constantly updating our social media. That way, you know that your dime is going towards a worthy cause.
2: Awesome. I have one final
0: question for you before we kind of actually wrap it up and uh, reshoot all your information out there. Um, What are your long-term goals and visions for your organization, like where do you see in five years, 10 years, is it always just going to be kind of like the tiny house ranch where they can kind of get reacclimated, or re-acclimated to like society and help them? Or are you, what do you want to do next? Where where does this yeah. go to?
1: Uh, duplicate and replicate. So long. Ter- so the short-term goal is we have infrastructure on the ranch right now for two more tiny homes on top of what we already have. Um, so right now our short-term goals is to get these last two tiny houses fundraised and built. And that way also to lower that freaking waiting list. Cause again, we are a one-of-one organization, nothing even resembling what we do exists on the planet, at least to our knowledge. Like there is no, a state certified safe house was the, that's the exclamation point at the end of a sentence for survivors before going back out. Mm -hmm. We are, we are the second exclamation point. So three years have these other two homes built and filled, but our plan is uh, five and 10 year goals is we have already had multiple um, state senators, uh, definitely a lot of sheriffs from across the country that is asking us to come and show them our business model. And I say that lightly. It's more like mission statement because we're not a business, but essentially the blueprints of how we yeah. did things in order to put this in different spots across the country. Because at the end of the day, we're just one ranch with a few homes. Like it's a, it's a drop of a drop of a drop in the bucket of what is needed. So to answer your question, we would love to mm-hmm. see... Uh, exactly what we're doing here, probably in at least 20 more locations across the country.
0: That's awesome. Well, I definitely hope it, it all works out. Uh, Troy, I just want to say thanks for coming to the podcast. Thanks for telling our listeners a little more information about human trafficking, your organization, Change Unchange, the tongue twister. Um, oh. Thank you for being vulnerable with us. Thank you for being... Um, open with us and kind of just get into brass tacks and not sugarcoat anything. Really appreciate it. Do you have any final last things you'd like to say to our listeners?
1: Yep. This is what, this is my sign off here and this goes out to all the parents. All right. (laughs) So if you've stuck around this long, that means you've heard your, my story and I need you to listen to me super careful, right? Just if you take nothing out of what I've said over the last hour and a half, take this. You're not your kid's friend. You are not your child's friend. Be invasive. Look through their phone. Ask prying questions. Make it uncomfortable. You are their last line of defense to a world of really awful shit. They don't need a friend. They need a protector. And that's
2: what
0: I'll end up with. That's where we'll end it. Troy, you, Chauffeur, and Change Unchained, (laughs) thanks for being here, and thanks all to listening.
3: What's going on, Fire fans? I Came With Fire podcast is sponsored by Red Clover Coffee and Sheep's Clothing LLC. Red Clover Coffee is a veteran known company with small batch roasted coffees, and they just happen to donate to some pretty awesome charities. Whether you're into specialty-flavored coffees, single-source coffees, or having a really cool coffee mug and some badass slaps, Red Clover has you covered. You can order ground, whole bean, or even coffee pods and get it all at 10% off your entire purchase using coupon code CAME WITH FIRE. Again, that's 10% off your entire purchase using our coupon code CAME WITH FIRE. I personally love their blueberry invasion and African roast. That blueberry invasion hits the spot. Head over and get yourself some awesome coffee and support us by supporting our sponsor. I Came With FIRE podcast is also sponsored by Sheeps Clothing LLC. Sheep's Clothing LLC is a unifying banner for all violent arts, disciplines, professions, and survivors of violent circumstances. Redefine violence. Both Zach and I being survivors of violent circumstances and LEOs in the military, we are especially excited to be able to offer you 10% off your entire purchase with coupon code FIRE10 at checkout. Whether you're looking for an awesome t-shirt, hats, slaps, flags, or MMA gear, they've got you covered. Me personally, I love my snapback with the leather patch surrounded by God's flannel. If you know, you know. That's coupon code FIRE10, E one zero at checkout for 10% off your entire purchase. Thank you all so much for supporting this podcast. And if you should feel compelled, treat yourself by supporting our sponsors as well. They truly make a difference for us. Now let's make a difference for them. See you on the next show.